0: This is
2: The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Save For Later from Guardian Australia, a podcast about internet culture and the tabs our brains can't close. I'm Alex Gorman.
1: And I'm Michael Sun. Hey, today on the show, we're going to be talking about influencers. They make racking up millions look so easy. So why on earth am I not a millionaire?
3: I'm 21 and I own my first home plus three investment properties and here's how you can do it too. Except then you read their story and you're like, honey, your daddy owns the property.
2: But first, Michael, you were telling me last week that you have seen something on the internet that you don't hate.
1: This is a momentous occasion, Alex. I'm finally, finally out of Grinch mode. I know that this is something that you're going to hate, though. So just gird your loins, as they say. Get ready. Cast your mind back to, like... 2005. You're in the bowling alley. You're having the time of your life.
2: I'm throwing up vodka and <laughs> Ribena behind the alley. But
1: before you end the night by throwing up, just you're in the bowling alley. You get a strike. You're finally celebrating at your miraculous bowling abilities. You're overcome with joy. You look up. You see the screen. What's on the screen? And unbelievably cursed 3D animation, low budget, the lowest of all budgets, just terrible CGI. There's bins dancing, there's bowling pins dressed up in bikinis, sipping beers. I'm describing this to you not because I want to re-traumatize you, but because these videos are in fact back and they're now going viral all across my Twitter feed.
2: Your filter bubble is not the same as my filter bubble. I am a virgin. I am coming into this with fresh eyes, eyes blurred from my of bombs, but at least 15 years out of date. Love it.
1: But you know what? This isn't the average bowling video. This is very much the next level of bowling animation. You know, they've progressed a level beyond the very amateur cursed 3D animations. They've become even more cursed.
2: They've become more cursed. Wait, so it's not like going beyond, like, it now looks like a Marvel movie.
1: Absolutely not. They still look as hellish as ever. It's just that they've almost become their own genre- of film they're extremely weird there's no relationship to current events or other memes there's no kind of touchstone to understand these many of them feel Lynchian. i would say
2: oh so do they are they giving the same energy as like those youtube videos that are designed to traumatize children that are like kind of algorithmically generated to show up after you've watched eight frozen videos and then they're just like truly menacing
1: Absolutely. If you do cast your mind back to, you know, when that whole viral discourse happened, I would say that there is an aesthetic sensibility to, like, the really haunted Spider-Man, Uncanny Valley videos. It kind of feels like Johnny Johnny, yes, papa. That's very much the style. And the narrative is even stranger many of them are almost like a minute long or minutes long
2: that's that's a lot that's a lot of bowling animation
1: are you ready to hear the plot of one of my favorite videos i would call it a goddamn freaking film
2: okay i'm ready i'm ready to hear this video essay
1: alex settle in you're gonna go on the ride of a lifetime picture this in your mind a bowling pin He's sitting at the breakfast table, reading the newspaper. He's an anthropomorphic bowling pin. He's an average Joe.
2: I need to build a mental picture. Is he bespectacled or mustachioed?
1: I believe he's neither. He's a regular schmegular bowling pin. Not even any really facial features at this point. No facial features?
2: Would you describe his eyes as anime-esque or more of a Western cartoon?
1: I don't think he has eyes. He doesn't
2: have eyes?
1: He's a faceless bowling pin. (laughs) This
2: is already haunted.
1: Behind him, there's a portrait of his bowling pin family, you know, father, mother, son. He's probably somewhere in the American suburbs. It all feels very American beauty. There's this kind of like dark, melancholic wash of lighting over the entire scene. Suddenly, the camera moves. Suddenly, a bowling ball comes into shot. A nasty, foul, blue shade of bowling ball. He looks very violent. He's wielding a pistol. What? A glock if you will. Does
2: he have hands or is it just painted on him?
1: He does indeed have a little arm that's protruding out of his bowling ball round body.
2: That seems really like an oh violation.
1: Suddenly, bang, he shoots. <gasps> Mr Bowling Pin himself is launched into the afterlife. He spins around in this afterlife as he floats into space, revealing a face that's lived a thousand lives. World weary, a truly grotesque face. He's floating through purgatory. He sees his bowling pin family in the distance. He sees the reality happening on Earth. They're mourning him at a bowling pin tombstone. Floating just out of touch. He can't (laughs) reach them. He's desperate. He sees his wife now in bed with his bowling ball murderer. (laughs) He's been... Replaced. They even have a new family portrait with their new dad, the bowling ball, (gasps) which hovers and shimmies like it's taunting him. It's teasing him. It wants him to know that this is his family's new reality. Suddenly we zoom back out to real life where Mr. Bowling Pin lies dead face down on the table. The 3D lettering appears. Strike! Exclamation mark.
2: Is Gillian Flynn writing these?
1: (laughs) This is the goddamn Gone Girl of bowling ball videos. I
2: need to know, like, did this appear in an actual bowling alley or is this, like, an art?
1: Absolutely not. This is just the project of a very time-rich online animator. And they're not the only ones. There have been many examples of this kind of popping up. People have been making their own little tidbits of cursed bowling ball videos. Another example that I love is one where the bowling pin gets split in half and gets crucified to a cross.
2: Amazing. So deep.
1: Then, Alex, this is an example that I would like you to cast your eyes upon again. Okay, I get to watch one? You may just want to have a bottle of bleach at the ready for your eyes. This is where it gets unsavory.
2: I'm ready, but I'm scared.
1: Alex, I do just need to warn you that this is a very, very graphic, some would even say pornographic link. Click the link if you're ready and willing.
2: Okay, so I'm opening this video... Three thousand six hundred retweets and twenty seven thousand likes. What do you see? What? Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Ah! Ah!
1: Alex, describe oh in god. in English, in human words, ah! what you're currently seeing.
2: Ah! That was hentai. So this ball wearing a uh, large blue phallus grabs a hold of this poor red-eyed bowling pin. I would say, I think sodomize is the right word. This is like straight up every cliche about like the difference between pornography and real sex is in this video. I am now Andrea Dawkins. This video has turned me into a sex-phobic 1980s
1: feminist. I'm straight up going to say that it's a porn pastiche. It's actually a feminist work.
2: I think it's perpetuating a cycle of violence, not critiquing it.
1: (laughs) Alex, that brings me to my next question. Do you actually want to know the origins of this do you even deign to know where this cursed lineage might have come from
2: I'm guessing if just like wild twist guess fanfiction.net but please fill me in on the reality <laughs>
1: you wish you wish <laughs> it actually comes from very vaguely this 2019 meme um, where people started sharing images along with the text saying the bowling alley screen when you see a strike so they would share like really weird 3D images there was like a little bit of the absurdity of like vaporwave and seapunk punk in there too and saying that these images and captured the vibe of Bowling Alley videos. So this is before people actually started making their own. But then it gets weirder. People do start making their own in November 2021. Literally just some dude posts a YouTube video of his own quote-unquote, slightly offensive bowling animations. Oof,
2: slightly offensive. Two words you never like to hear next to each other because one is amplifying the other.
1: <laughs> you know what? To, to his credit, he doesn't... He's not the guy who makes the redacted, redacted, redacted bowling video.
2: Okay, so this is leading up to the horror that I've just
1: witnessed. Exactly. This is leading up to... The extremely NSFW sites. A Twitter user called Wireframes, spelt with a Z, obviously, posts two extremely horny bowling animations featuring the bowling pin getting redacted in the redacted and filled with redacted. Is that the one that I watched? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. The most recent one of those was posted on April 1st, thus reigniting, launching... Sending me spiralling into my feed as all of these videos come back into the public eye, the all-seeing eye of Twitter. Basically, it's like a digital one-upping.
2: And also kind of an April Fool's energy and the rare and lovely April Fool's thing that cannot be co-opted by brands because it's just too disgusting.
1: I would say that... It's actually entirely serious. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not a prank. It's not a joke. It's an entirely earnest video that really made me feel something, Alex.
2: I mean, <laughs> it made me feel something too. <laughs> Nothing good.
1: <laughs> Do you want to hear my take on why this has become such a thing?
2: I mean, like chaos is rising, but yeah, go <laughs> ahead. Try and try and find meaning.
1: First of all, Chaos Reigns. Second of all, I would say that it almost feels like harking back to the old internet you know people sharing stuff not for any kind of like political agenda not for their own personal brands but just because it's weird and shocking when I showed you
2: you're not getting rickrolled anymore you're getting dickballed
1: exactly like you're straight up getting lemon party you're getting meat spin all over again all of those shock sites that we've talked about extensively on this podcast there's something like really nostalgic about the way that these unbelievably bad animations are just popping up um, and waiting for you in your feed to shock you all over again. It feels like when you used to scroll on Tumblr and then suddenly just like hardcore pornography on your feed. There is a degree of lawlessness and almost, I would say, like a sudden melancholy to these videos. Both that nostalgia and the fact that the actual weird, liminal 3D nature of the videos, it feels so uncanny valley. Um, It feels some would even say unheimly. (laughs) I would go so far as to say that these videos are like a modern Salvador Dali. Like this is the surrealism of our times.
2: Uh, (laughs) I'd say it's more Geiger-esque than Dali.
1: Next up, how to get rich quick without even trying. And by that, I mean watching TikToks.
2: Michael, I have a very personal question for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Always. I'm ready.
2: What do you do with your money? Are you making stacks on your stacks?
1: Alex, I'm so honoured that you think that I'm someone who has any level of financial literacy, but the answer is no. You're not
2: on TikTok (laughs) learning to trade crypto?
1: What the heck is crypto?
2: So, you don't follow any Finfluencers?
1: I don't claim this energy, personally. (laughs)
2: Well, they're kind of a big deal. They're an entire subspecies of influencer.
0: You're a millionaire, right?
3: Tell me the five
0: best stocks to buy to get rich. Actually, I bought this
2: place for $200,000 and my mortgage each month is $1,200. 28% of Australian young people follow them. My top five best performing stocks in my TD Ameritrade account, which is now worth... They take their financial advice from strangers on the internet, including on occasion, this idiot.
1: Guys, if you want to make serious money, use the Economic repercussions that come from a crisis like the pandemic or the war to your advantage.
2: But it's not all fun, games, financial independence and early retirement.
1: That's right. ASIC have just released a new guideline, which could mean that your favourite Aussie, Finfluencers, could be going to jail for up to five years. for providing Personally, I think anyone who is in crypto deserves five years in jail.
2: At least if they bring it up at a dinner party. But what exactly is a Finfluencer? And to explain, we have two very non-dodgy Finfluencers with us right here, Melissa Ma and Mariam Muhammad of Money Girl, a social enterprise that's about making learning about money and how to do smart things with it fun. Hey! Hi, Alex!
1: Also, hello to you guys. It's so exciting to have you guys on this show because... Obviously, you guys are mostly targeted towards increasing financial literacy in women. Um, but I've always thought that there also needs to be money gay because gays famously can't do maths. Um, <laughs> I have very low levels of financial literacy, um, so I need to ask you, like, what what actually is a influencer?
3: Oh my god! Okay, so imagine an Instagram feed with lots of diagrams and infographics of a person's net worth yes i feel like i've <laughs> nailed this <laughs> net worth update for march 2022 it's
1: been a while since i've done a portfolio update, and for the sake of transparency i'm gonna take investment
3: portfolio, portfolio update for april 2022 this is the cryptocurrency i will be spending most of my money on april 2022
1: and if you like Tara, definitely stay
3: TikTok. And then when we go on TikTok, it'll be all the, let's be honest, a lot of finance bros. If
1: this is on your For You page, welcome to Stock TikTok.
3: We don't mess around. We make money on this side of TikTok. Or people who look, look like finance bros. Stocks, read charts and invest in companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Tesla, so so they're white
2: and they're straight, right?
3: <laughs> Obviously, Alex, are you telling me that non-white, non-straight people are going to talk about finance? Oh my God. Outrageous. <laughs> so we will spot ourselves a finance bro next to a Rolls Royce posing with his rolex yeah i'm gonna tell you the most common misconception about being a millionaire morning routines these tech bros will have posing in his tiktok videos next to all these fancy mansions and cars and people whatever (laughs) how
1: pervasive is this actual trend because i feel like there's a term for these kind of people on tiktok i've heard this term called rich talk which essentially just sounds like all these people sharing their riches and schemes that they've used to get rich. I had a housemate recently who was, like, so active on this part of TikTok and would just, like, be scrolling through all day, every day and actually lost, like, $3,000 in a crypto scam. (laughs) We won't get too deep into that yet. But, like, are people really engaging with this kind of content? Is it really popular on TikTok?
4: I only... Found Rich Talk when you mentioned it, Michael, and I was like, oh my goodness. But it does look very similar to all the other kind of Instagram posts that people have been posting over the years to just show how luxurious um, their lifestyle is. So I also recently found out that there's such things in America where it's like an Instagram pop-up and you can go there to literally just take photos of you, take photos of yourself to look like you're flying in a jet plane or to look like you're eating at a really, really like high class restaurant. You can like hire
2: a private jet just to pose in so that it looks like you're flying (laughs) private, but actually you just walked into the jet for the photo this is totally a thing.
4: And people do this because they need to constantly keep up this image of them being rich and famous and living this life where they don't really need to work. And I kind of equate this to, I don't know, following Instagram accounts where there are people with really, really unhealthy or unhealthy bodies that are just outside of our standards, you know. It's kind of making us feel bad without necessarily having to. And if you are on these accounts and you don't feel good about yourself or you're spending money that you don't have or spending way too much money, which you wouldn't have if you didn't follow them, then unfollow them. (laughs) Cut them out of your life.
1: This reminds me, like, there was that viral YouTube ad a few years ago, I feel, of that also like very rich looking white man who's just like pointing at the car behind him being like so i'm in my beverly hills mansion like look at this car behind me similar to actual influences there's this level of aspiration involved right it's like people want to be as rich as these people and then it kind of feels like they'll do anything they can to achieve that level of wealth even if it means falling into potentially dodgy narratives and dodgy advice
3: Yeah. And look, those personal narratives are important for people because, again, the positive side of that is that people can see themselves being reflected in somebody and they're like, oh, if they can do it, then I can do it. But the easiest way to spot something dodgy is that it will look dodgy. If it's too good to be true, it's definitely false because there's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme not legally anyway so
2: if someone's giving like saying oh this is guaranteed to pay off that's an instant red flag
3: right i'd say so (laughs) nobody can guarantee returns uh, particularly
4: on investments and i think if they did guarantee it in such high volumes and they wouldn't be sharing it with you (laughs) but you know what With the rise
3: of things like TikTok uh, and Instagram, giving out financial education, at least, that's the good part, right? Has become so much easier. What does end up happening, though, is as people grow their audiences and their audiences trust them so much and blindly sometimes because there is money involved at some point in exchange for promotions or ads, which may or may not always come with clear disclaimers that these are ads or these are partnerships with a monetary benefit for a Finfluencer. People who already lack financial literacy and do not understand basic concepts, particularly around investing can be easily swayed one way or the other any which way by a person that they trust and that's the dark side can you guys talk to us about some of the most
2: cursed and terrible financial advice you've seen online oh my god
3: okay my pet peeve my pet peeve (laughs) are the stories that are from like 20, 21-year-old Finfluencers who are like, here is how I bought my property. Um, And I'm only like 20 years old. And then they'll tell the story of how they bought their property. And listen, disclaimer, I wish I could own a property in Australia. Okay, (laughs) so I'm hella bitter about this. But the story will be like, grandma died and I got an inheritance. (laughs) And, And I lived with daddy all my life. So I saved up for a deposit. And he's helping me pay off the mortgage as well. And I'm like, what? This is, (laughs) those, those are my pet peeve stories because they will be telling this story of how I'm 21 and I own my first home plus three investment properties. And here's how you can do it too. Except then you read their story and you're like, honey, your
4: daddy owns the property. And there's- other articles that I see on my Facebook feed every single day and you see the title and you're like okay I want to know how they did that you go through it and you're like well that's just a scam like that's just cheating.
2: To be fair I think have rich parents is great. It is just change
4: your
1: parents. Mel that is that is on you for clicking because you know the answer is always going to be the bacon mum and dad. <laughs> like.
4: But it's such a clickbait it gets me every single time because I'm thinking maybe one day. One day there'll be one person who can afford their house on their own. It's
1: very funny to me as well because these kinds of people who are getting spotlighted, the advice they're giving is very annoying and also incorrect, but it's not necessarily for their own personal gain beyond clout. I'm interested in when people are giving dodgy advice, is there sometimes financial gain for the influencer themselves too, where it's more of an ulterior motive, like they're giving bad advice to you Because they want to get rich themselves.
4: It's kind of similar to financial advisors. So right before the Royal Commission, a lot of these financial advisors were recommending products that weren't necessarily the best for their customers. And it's because they had their financial incentives connected to these products. So every time that... They got a customer on, they would get an affiliate fee or they would get some portion of the revenue that that company is getting. And this is really similar to an influencer. So an influencer would promote these products and they would get affiliate fees for for getting more customers onto that platform. So there becomes a bit of conflict of interest where an influencer is trying to do the best for their community, but also in order to pay their bills, they need to somehow get as many people onto that platform as possible. So I think one of the key things is um, they're not necessarily providing dodgy advice. They could be omitting all the other products that you could be used that could be better for you um, because they've got this partnership with this company.
2: I have an embarrassing personal story that very much relates to this. So, after the big GameStop gate thing, I started obsessively following Wall Street Bets on Reddit and then also the Australian equivalent of Wall Street Bets, ASX Bets, mostly just because I thought it was funny.
1: Real quick, what is Wall Street Bets slash ASX Bets? I'm assuming they're subreddits where people just like talk about the best stocks to buy. Is that right?
2: Yeah, they're subreddits where people, but they don't talk about even the best stocks to buy. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> gambling and they're being idiots on purpose and it's wild swings and not good advice everyone kind of they're, they're quite good about this I actually preface everything by saying like this is not financial advice I'm a complete idiot do your due diligence I have not like it's very intentionally very stupid and also their use of a lot of language is deeply problematic in many ways. So word of warning to anyone who googles this. But anyway, I was on ASX bets because I kind of got obsessed with this culture as a lol. And then ended up just stupidly and impulsively like purchasing a shares in this company that It's like not completely crated, but over the course of the last nine months, I've definitely lost $150 because I decided to like YOLO on a stock tip from experts.
3: Okay, I'm glad it's
2: just $150, Alex. That's okay. Yeah, it was a managed amount of idiotic gambling, but also with the rise of fintech apps, I could just do it on my phone so easily. I basically was impulse buying stocks at midnight.
3: Yeah, listen, it's so easy to actually get caught up in it. I haven't done that with money I have definitely done that with fitness you don't even realize that you get caught up in when you're following a certain crowd over time you actually start like you won't even know how it's happening and one day you're you know looking at your perfect self in the mirror and you're like oh man that Mm, maybe I can fix this here a little bit. And you're like, hold on a second. <laughs> Something that starts as
2: like irony and humor ends up just becoming reality.
1: <laughs> I feel like even I'm being sucked into it though. And I don't even actively follow any like actual influences. I'm not on like ASX bets or any subreddits, but I, I'm still even seeing just regular schmegular influences I'm following start to dip their toes into providing little tidbits about like stocks or I think crypto is a big one, of course, that we need to talk about. The accessibility of that is through the roof. Like everyone and anyone I know has started experimenting with that or has already finished their experimentations. What's the kind of ethics there with people promoting certain cryptocurrencies and what responsibilities they have to disclose or not promote?
3: Okay, ethics around promoting crypto are very much the ethics of promoting any kind of investment asset. I feel like the issue with crypto and NFTs and any future blockchain tech is that people still don't understand what it is. So before influencers go and talk about, this is where you should invest, et cetera, and they do, There needs to be a big education piece around what it is, why it's relevant to people. Why would anyone go in it? Because I feel like the piece we miss with a lot of investment, people don't understand what is being talked about. So... They just get on bandwagons, but don't really understand what is happening, but they they might get swayed one way or the other. And when they don't really understand what it is that they're talking about, then really you can tell them anything. And if you just say it with enough conviction, they'll believe it to be true. Yeah,
2: I think crypto is such a like prime example of this and NFTs particularly like people, you know, will say, here's a monkey I just spent $25,000 on. It's a picture of a monkey and like no one really understands it, but it's this like visual consumption thing.
1: It's hype culture. like
2: Yeah, it's total hype culture, but unlike a pair of sneakers, which I guess like some people view as an investment, saying like, oh, this is actually like an asset class is... A useful way of reconceptualizing crypto and NFT hype?
4: And I think if people maybe understood where crypto sat in the broader investment framework or the different asset classes, they would probably make better decisions based on the risk that they understand. So if you think about all of these like investment classes, um, you've got your really low risk things and assets like bonds um, and cash. And then you have property and shares. And crypto kind of sits where shares are or even higher, where the risk is so high because you are investing in one company that is quite invalidated. It's very, very new, maybe started A couple of months ago, maybe one or two years ago, but it doesn't even have a product that you can tangibly touch. You have no idea what they're doing behind the scenes. So if people are able to understand it in this kind of broader perspective, know that it's a really high risk asset, then you can definitely invest in it. But just know that if you're seeking financial security and you're trying to build wealth over a long time, crypto is probably not the best thing for you. It's it's not going to be that short-term thing and it's a bit of a gamble if you're wanting to just get rich quick.
1: You could lose 3k like my poor housemate.
4: A hundred percent.
3: Yeah, if you're about to put a couple of grand because you've been on FinTalk or ASX Bets and people are talking about how it's gone up by... in the last two days. So we're expecting it to go up by 1600% in the next two days. Just know what people are talking about, and that if something is going up that much, then it will go down that much. Like it's just, it's gonna be volatile both ways. That allows me to bring up one
2: of my favorite finance phrases, which is the pump and dump.
1: Guys, so we need to talk about pump and dump schemes. I got a message on Instagram last Wednesday inviting me to a pump and dump scheme and i actually joined it because i was curious to see what it is that they're doing inside this telegram group what do you actually mean by pump and dump because i know that phrase in a very different context
2: pump and dump where you hype something up
1: hello our team regularly raise the price of tokens into space using pumps
2: jack up the price like say it's going to be the biggest thing in the world and then you jump out
1: after its growth at the peak of the price we sell and get our own profit approximately 400 to 900 percent if you're interested in
2: before everyone else knows to jump out and then when it comes crashing down to earth you've sailed away at the peak and everyone else is left holding the bag
1: for you isn't that just like insider trading
2: no it's like cloud trading
1: <laughs> i saw this in action with like dog coin or something i feel
2: yeah 100 <laughs> percent. all
1: right here's a crazy thought What if everyone watching this video went and bought some Dogecoin? Now, obviously, I would never suggest this, but could they really stop us? Or, like, one of those, like, really dumb meme cryptocurrencies which just got so much clout and then immediately crashed. Let's all get rich. Dogecoin is practically worthless. There are 800 million... This is such a huge problem, right? But are regulations really going to stop it?
4: There are so many platforms where this is happening, so... Reddit, ASX bets, as you mentioned, Alex, that's a huge platform for people to be on. I think Twitter is really big, and one particular person who jacked up the price of Dogecoin was Elon Musk.
1: Part of the reason why I think there's some merit to Dogecoin, even though it was obviously created as a joke, it it actually does have a much higher uh, transaction volume capability than Bitcoin.
4: So Elon Musk on Twitter put out this tweet about Dogecoin and it skyrocketed in one day. And Elon Musk on Twitter is not really someone that (laughs) ASIC can regulate. He is not going to give a hell about what you say. And now Twitter can't regulate
2: him either because he owns 10% of it.
4: (laughs) Exactly. So to
2: kind of take a step back from the world of influencers for a second, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on how we got to this point to begin with. Like, why is it that young people have ended up turning to the internet for financial advice rather than, like, traditional and potentially more reliable, more regulated pathways?
4: I think this comes down to one of the reasons why me and Mariam even started Money Girl. And that was because when we first started on our journey of looking for financial education and teaching ourselves about personal finance, we couldn't find a single piece of information online or a platform online that was simple to understand and was the information that we were looking for. And that's why we started Money Girl, because we realized there was such a gap in the market for this information. And I think this this is what the Finfluencers have identified as well. And the other thing is with social media, I think with every other content, it's just so easy to to follow. It's so kind of bite-sized. It's easy to consume. um, And you don't really feel like It's a chore to consume. You're just kind of flicking through your phone and you're getting these tidbits of information um, every day. One of the things in the
3: last couple of years that really helped places like FinTalk boom was the pandemic and people losing jobs and realising how actually financially unstable they are because a lot of people equate financial stability or security with a paycheck. But... Once they lose the paycheck, they realize that we're not actually very financially secure. We were just high income earners. And so we were able to live comfortably while we had a paycheck. And then people started looking into what financial, long-term financial security actually means, and then started learning about investing. And with TikTok like booming right at the start of the pandemic, it was a space ripe for, you know, for influencers to step in and be like, Hey, this is what I'm doing, or this is working for me or not. So people are, looking for this information and i think that's that's one of the things that we'll need to address we can we can bar people from sharing this information online but hey there will be people outside of australia still doing it but also what about people's need to actually access education that still will need to be addressed
1: and god knows we need it because we all want a dream that will one day own a house even if it is just that a dream
3: yes good luck michael
1: Thank you so much, Mel and Marion, for coming on our show and teaching us how to get rich, brackets, not get rich quick.
2: Thank you. I will log off from ASX bets and never come back. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We're almost there. We're almost at the end. But before we go, Michael, I want you to give me a tasty little takeaway. What's top of your list this week? Please not more bowling videos.
1: I feel like I am mildly cheating because this is a photograph, a photograph of the culture. It is a photograph of Al Pacino sitting at dinner with his friends. Someone's zoomed into the photo and you can see quite clearly that Al Pacino has a Shrek phone case, a fact also confirmed by his daughter. Go look at the photograph. It's a salve for your trying times.
2: Phenomenal. Needed that in my life.
1: Alex, what is your tasty morsel for us?
2: Uh, Mine is a show which is streaming on Apple TV at the moment called Slow Horses which is a British spy drama and it is super mean and super bitchy because it is written by Will Smith not that (gasps) one the other one the co-writer of Veep. Uh, It stars Gary Oldman being absolutely disgusting and Kristen Scott Thomas and it is about all the spies in MI5 that are too terrible to be allowed to stay in MI5 but also can't be fired.
1: so boned. kick him out <laughs> thank you so much for listening if you haven't already you should definitely subscribe to the show or probably it's very easy you're already listening to it just go and hit follow on that podcast player of yours
2: smash that subscribe button <laughs> As the YouTubers would say.
1: You can scream back at us across the void by leaving us a review.
2: This show was produced by Miles Herbert and Joe Koenig, who also handcrafted our music. Executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Steph Harmon.
1: See you next week. Miss you.